Hello, coffee makers, not coffee takers. He is Dr. Joseph J. Burt Miller Jr., and I am the master of Cyber Farms, Alfredo B. Nash Jr. We are your hosts of the Cyber Coffee Hour. We are two experts from Mount Vernon, New York, sharing with you our experience in this field and also the experience of others so we can learn, elevate, and ultimately realize we all belong in this space. The views and opinions are those of us, the Cyber Coffee Hour, and not those of our employers' personal or professional relationships. Today, we are going to discuss the targeting of sports teams by cyber criminals and the NBA guarding against data breaches. And to help us today to break it down is the is New York Post sports anchor Dexter Henry. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Thank you for Thanks, having man. me, guys. A pleasure to be here with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, Dexter Henry is an award-winning sports journalist from Brooklyn, New York, with over 18 years of experience in sports uh, broadcast journalism. After graduating from the University of Pittsburgh in 2005, the New York City-based sports journalist has worked for outlets including SB Nation, the New York Giants, and News 12. Besides sports, the Brooklyn Knight has also covered news and weather during his career. Dexter also was the first ever black male national weather reporter for the AccuWeather Network. In 2021, Dexter was nominated for the Stuart Scott Award by the New York Association of Black Journalists for Excellence in Sports Journalism. That same year, Dexter won a Telly Award for a short documentary, Sideline Stories, Sports Voices Matter, where he served as a correspondent and executive producer. He also hosts a digital show covering the National Basketball Association, the NBA Exchange, and is the co-host for the, for the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Uh, Dexter works as a sports anchor for the New York Post and Sportsnet New York. He also serves as a sports update anchor for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. When Dexter is not telling stories about sports, he loves traveling, exercising, enjoying live music, sampling new restaurants, watching his favorite sports teams, and spending time with his family. Dexter, welcome to the Cyber Coffee Hour. Thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me. I like that hat, Dr. Joseph. I like that. The Knicks are hot right now. So I like the hat, man. You came, you came ready. Uh, like I expected you to. Uh, man, you know, I, I had to, I had to come correct, man. I think this is going to be a very special episode. Uh, I'm glad you're here for it. You come at the right time because Knicks are riding a, you know, a hot win streak. So, um, but, but we can break, we can talk about that a little later. We will. Um, Actually, I'm Fresno. How you doing, man? How, how's, I'm hanging how's in there, man. Now? You know, taking it one day at a time. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this. So, as we, as our friends have mentioned during the intro, that you know, we have uh, there are there's been targeting by some um, uh, cyber criminals against like sports uh, sports teams or uh, uh, sports leagues. Um, which is, seems to be a prevalent problem. So the first article we're going to look at is, is, is titled Microsoft Warns of Growing uh, Cyber Threats to Sporting Events. And the author of this is James Coker. He's a deputy editor for InfoSecurity Magazine. This is dated back in, uh, in 4 August 2023. So I'll start with a quick excerpt. Um, so sporting events and venues are increasingly vulnerable to cyber attacks. A new study from Microsoft has found this, the, the Microsoft Threat Intelligence State of Play report highlighted the growing opportunities for threat actors to target high profile sporting events, especially those in increasingly connected environments, introducing cyber risk for organizers, regional host facilities and attendees. 
Uh, research has demonstrated rising attacks on high profile sports events and organizations in recent years. For example, a report from the UK's National Cybersecurity Center or NCSC in 2020 found that 70% of sports organizations experience at least one attack per year. So I'll, I'll do a quick stop here and let that digest and just want to hear your, your thoughts on that. Um, Alfredo, I'll, I'll start with you first. Uh, like, what are some of the things that come to your mind when you when you hear this? What comes to mind is the facilities that, like you said, that part that stuck out was how connected these facilities are. You know, the, the player tablets, the cameras, the data that's generated at every game, and also right. then how regionally connected they are. You know, stadium to stadium, stadium to back office or cloud. You know, I I would have never thought that this was a, a potential target until now. I mean, I've I've kind of considered it, but disruption to the game is it, it comes to mind too. Like, can they disrupt a live game or live recording? comes to mm. mind right now you know or even can they steal player stats and player data that's what kind right. of comes to mind when i when i hear this article and uh, the distribution of that information across regional stadiums you know absolutely uh dexter you know what when i hear this it makes me think about you know it's sports data is everything data is, is king right now so right. many teams rely on information to make decisions whether it's about scouting for draft picks whether it's about studying player and tracking player movement in game in arenas right there's so much camera and cameras around the arenas and capture data and biometrics and all that stuff and teams rely on that so much um in in terms of making decisions about how their organization is going to run just like any other organization sports is not uh, any different from this um and and then also you know a, a lot of we have to think that sports is a business and so many of these teams and organizations, it's not just data on players, it's data on fans, you know, habits in the arena. What are they purchasing? These are things that are very much studied. Um, and sometimes now with so many things, as you guys know, being the experts that you are uh, on online, you have people giving information, signing up for things, email addresses, things of that nature. Yeah, so there's right. a lot that teams and leagues have to protect. Um, and as teams are getting more information, guys, there's more of a need for teams to protect that as well, too. But on the other side, you're going to get hackers and people that are going to look to try to manipulate this information and try to profit off this information. So there's so much information in sports right now, today and in 2024. This, in a way, isn't shocking. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about this. It's just what are teams going to do to protect themselves? because that information is so valuable um, and it's so key in sports stats and data mean everything. So it, the, the key question is how good are teams going to protect? How good are the leagues going to protect? Cause leagues don't want this at all. This affects their right. business. Alfredo, you talked about it affecting broadcast um, information and, you know, there are things tied into broadcasting that go through, you know, different li lines and IP addresses within the stadium and right. all that stuff that has to be mm. protected. So, right. yeah, this data is key and you, you got to protect it. And sports is uh, just like any other sector of business. It's important to protect that information. Let's take the player data. Oh, let's take let's pick the, take the player data first for a second. When you say the player data, right, you're talking about the in-game data, right? Scoring, stats, things like that. But what about what about their fitness data, gym? I mean, medical, is that also mm. included as well in that yes, same? Uh, yeah, I'm including that, too, because, you know, this data sometimes is not just about what happens in the game. It's about what goes on at the training facilities. That's why that's such mm. a good point and good question for you, too, because 
all these teams, especially now biometric data they're studying, it's about their training regimen, how they're eating. Sleep data is very wow. important and prevalent in sports too, right? And that might become to wearable devices that they these players could take home. Um, so there's so much that's involved in data that teams are capturing. So I think when you think about it like that, Alfredzo, it's not just what happens on the court, in the arena, right. or on the fields at these games. It's about the whole business of sports in terms of what happens in these practice facilities. And there's so much data that is captured through that. All these, it's just in the NBA, NFL, at these facilities, there's so much cameras tracking data, player movement. There's yeah. so much wearable things that these players and devices <clears throat> that players are wearing. Um, and those are downloaded and then taken back on different devices. So, yeah, it's not just at the games. That's a great point you bring up that I don't want people to think that it's, this is just isolated to games. Sometimes it's in the practice facilities. Sometimes it's even in the players' homes, these athletes' homes, these men and women. So, yeah, protecting that data is definitely paramount. And and, and one thing you mentioned, uh, Dexter, as you said, as you started out, you said, you know, data is king. And yeah. And as we know, you know, you know, all these players, you know, they're, they're, they're working to to get their stats up when we're talking about like MVPs or, you know, all these different accolades, individual awards and also team awards. And also associated with that, there's money incentives that's tied that's tied to that. Mm. And and as, when Alfredo was speaking, it just made me think about you know, uh, we, we haven't seen it, at least, you know thankfully as of yet but it just made me think that well, what if there's a, a situation where like someone someone is uh, someone's stats are manipulated um hmm. you know they maybe they tweak a couple points here and there you know but it, it's not too crazy like little subtle changes uh, you know someone's not really monitoring it and you know m maybe try to work in favor for a player or work against a player you know whatever the case may be but um but but again but those could be crucial. Like, you know, one point can keep a player from, you know, maybe earning the MVP award or, right. you know, di different or, or rookie of the year award, yeah, you know, yeah. right. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that definitely leads to sponsorships, you know, uh, you know, you know, sneaker deals, things of that nature. Um, and I, even so even talking about like for the NFL, you know, as you mentioned, Dexter, you know, the communication, um, that, that's, uh, that's really needed for, for players, especially if you're talking about like, like quarterback, they, they got to listen, listen to the coach. They have the, mm -hmm. uh, the radio inside the helmet. What if that gets disrupted or what if it yep. gets completely disrupted to where they, they can't even hear anything from the sideline because those, those lines of communications are being severed. Um, you know, it, it's, I never thought about it so much. Like when you're watching a game, you're not even thinking <laughs> right. about all that stuff. You just right. enjoy the game. But, <laughs> right. but yeah, there, there's a, so much interconnectivity that goes on, especially now. Um, all, all sports leagues, not even not even just NBA, all sports leagues have really um, modernized their systems. The, the way they, like you said, the way they prepare as far as they're using a lot of analytics um, uh -huh. as to um, how to prepare for games, even practices and things of that nature. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, and, and as we go on here, we, we learn more as to why a lot of these sports uh, leagues, these sports teams are being targeted. Um, so c continuing on with, with the article here, so um, Microsoft supported the cybersecurity of critical infrastructure at the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar, or Qatar, 
Uh, during this event, Microsoft observed uh, attackers continually attempting to compromise connected systems through identity-based attacks. Justin Turner, uh, the principal group manager at Microsoft Security Research, uh, told Infill Security, what we saw, and I quote, what we saw was consistent with cyber criminals being opportunistic and seeing where they can infiltrate and find gaps between a lot of connected yeah. systems in the context of a large event. The yeah. cybercrime economy's sheer size and low barriers to entry make this kind of make make this kind of opportunism a significant risk to account for in planning and having layered defenses in place. He said, uh, "Numerous publicly uh, reported sports-related cyber attacks have taken place in the last five years, including uh, January to, uh, 2018. Russian threat actors carried out a range of attacks designed to disrupt." Pyeongchang, uh, South Korea, in November 2020, English Premier League football giants Manchester United experienced a sophisticated cyber attack suspected to be ransomware. April 2021, U.S. National Basketball Association, or NBA, uh, the Houston Rockets were targeted by ransomware attackers claimed to have stolen 500 gigabytes of Rockets data, including contracts, non-disclosure agreements, and financial data. Internal cyber defense, uh, so internal cyber defenses were effective in limiting the spread of ransomware on the club systems. February 2022, U.S. National Football League or NFL, the San Francisco 49ers confirmed it was hit by a ransomware attack one day before the Sunday Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. March 2022, personal data belonging to the American to American Major League Baseball or MLB players and their family members were, were reportedly stolen during a cyber attack on a third party vendor. Sporting events face unique cybersecurity challenges due to the vast digital surface that needs to be protected with a high level of cyber physical conversions. This this means there are a range of connected devices and interconnected networks that can be exploited alongside known and unknown vulnerabilities across different venues and arenas. And I'll I'll stop right there. Let, let that sink in a bit. Yeah, that's a deep. That's uh, deep. Hmm. Yeah. So. I- Go ahead, sorry, Dexter, go ahead. No, I, I, I was, I, when you were saying all that, I, I hope that some people might take is that look how much has happened in the last three to four years, right? Like we've just seen so much happen with that, even back more to go to five years, right? That's how mm-hmm. much has happened and how vulnerable in different situations that could be. The other thing I think that you read there, Dr. Joseph, was the opportunistic nature of the cyber criminals here, right? You saw you yeah. saw the 49ers who were playing in the Super Bowl again this year and they were right. targeted. It's funny they're playing the same opponent uh at the last Super Bowl. Oh they yeah, were, that's right. They they that's were targeted the day before the Super Bowl. So whenever you have these big events, we have the Super Bowl coming up next Sunday. You talked about the World Cup recently, uh any of these big events, cyber criminals are looking at this as a large opportunity. Why? Because the data is so valuable. You also have more people present to steal data from around some of these events that are going on. And so the opportunity there is so good, which even tells you so much more why these teams, why these leagues have to make sure they have the infrastructure in place to protect this and also protect their fans and the paying customers because you don't want to lose money. Again, this is a business. Sports is a business. You right. don't want to have to lose money by this. So this is why the protection of it is so important. And I, it's li- listening to that. It made me think of a lot of things about the opportunistic nature of the cyber criminals, but also just how important it is. And you clearly, you can see what has happened in some of these situations where the infrastructure was in place and the threat was minimal because they had the proper cybersecurity elements in place to, to do so. Alfredo. 
Yeah, I, I like that idea too. I mean, the, the 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 mindset of it being opportunistic is even as a defender, I wouldn't have thought a stadium was critical infrastructure. I heard it there mm-hmm. and I heard the interconnected pieces and the data being exchanged, but I don't know where these venues or arenas would be considered critical infrastructure or not. Like, you know, think like a hospital or whatever. You would say, oh yeah, hospital, sure. But the stadiums, no. I didn't never, I would have never until now in the last couple of years, I would have never thought that would have been the opportunity would have existed to use these stadiums and arenas and different venues, you know, even as, you know, side carts are connected, the POS systems, all those things in the stadium can mm-hmm. be leveraged by these, you know, malicious actors to get to a target they wanted, you know, to, to get, even if they don't attack that venue itself, they might leverage the connectivity in there to get to somewhere else. And until so now, like you said, five or so years, I would have never considered that critical infrastructure that's what stuck out to me and and the opportunity you mentioned like if you're a bad actor or whatever on the other side you would say well i can't get to the hospital but i can get to this venue five blocks away that's mm-hmm. a stadium right yeah so that, that <laughs> yeah that's something, something else, i didn't know something else that dr joseph you had mentioned in there too you talked about the communication earlier with right. uh, nfl and how that's something that could even be disrupted. And I th- and it made me think about when I watch sporting games now, all these leagues, baseball, football, basketball, the major leagues, people are getting real information in real time. Uh, sure. In baseball, sometimes after a player comes to us at bat, they go back to the dugout and you see them. They've got their iPad or Microsoft yeah. Surface tablet out and they're watching their bat, right? And they're going over yeah. with the coach. You see the same thing in football after a series is over. They'll go back and look at it. If you disrupt that, if you get that, that data then they no longer have this communication that changes everything in the game now one team could be playing with an unfair advantage right that's just one simple thing i'm talking about one team's communication gets disrupted that affects the whole game it compromises the integrity of the game actually when you think about it when it goes to that level so yeah this is why this stuff is so important and even in sports i i think you you know, Fred, I know you mentioned, you know, uh, not thinking about sports arenas as critical infrastructure. I, I think we even have to change the, our thought process when we when we're using the term critical infrastructure as it pertains to sporting, as it pertains to sports. Because if you think about it, if you, if you took out the power for an arena, let's say for a football arena, because they, they mainly play outside or, or even any arena, honestly, hmm. um, they can't play. Right. <laughs> you know, because right. uh, uh, I I remember um, I don't know if it was that same Super Bowl. Didn't the power go out? Uh, it was that same one. Yeah, it was that same one actually. Yep. Yeah. So huh. yeah, the power went out for a while. Yeah, the <laughs> stadium stadium was black. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, I mean, um, and and as and as Dexter mentioned, yeah, those those lines of communication if they're cut off, you know, now if one team can't can hear you know i said the coach the sidelines does that do they stop play and say hey all right if this one team can't hear then both teams can't use it you know saying like that does that change the dynamic of the game you know um because yeah because it would give it it would give a um i guess an unfair advantage to one team if one team's comms is good and then the other you know it's not it's not working at all Mm -hmm. um can we touch on the family data a little bit too like sure why why so one piece of the the article was saying they claimed third party excuse me they claimed players family members data through third party services now that that's a little scary too like like in that data could be somebody's credit card number home address email but now now you gotta think their family's impacted by that ransomware attack or just stealing of that data can we can we speak to that what what do you guys thoughts on that like yeah um 
All right, I'll take it real quick. Yeah, go. So, yeah, go. Yeah, the and that was really because um, even on the, along the same line when we're talking about critical infrastructure, you know, um, one of the one of the weak points that we even discuss, even when we talk about like for the power grid, you know, a lot of these municipalities they they don't have that same level of that there's not that same consistent level of security. Maybe you go from city to city or state to state, wherever the case is. So federal may have a certain standard of security, but then some of these small municipalities that, that are guarding, let's say, you know, they're in charge of, you know, a power grid within their city. Um, they, they may not have a robust cybersecurity team. So, so again, so that security posture is going to be affected. It's going to be compromised. Not even, they may not even use proper cybersecurity practices. Um, they, they may not have a, exercising basic cybersecurity principles when they're trying to when, when we're talking about guarding you know something as precious as the the, the power grid um so i think that this, this is kind of the same thing here when we're talking about for you know we're talking about in the in the field of sports where where you have a lot of you're going to have a lot of third-party vendors you, you know even for like for pos systems that you know you go into the when you're taking a break from the game you go going to get a beer or you know get some food or whatever you know these are a lot of different companies that are working with um working with the stadium and then and then also of course then it's going to be working with like i said if it if you're at a baseball game mlb nba whatever the case may be so a lot a lot, a lot of this trickle down effect comes comes into play so um, so let's say the vendor that's in charge of, you know, um, the POS systems that are, you know, so you can get your hot dog and drink. W- what does their cybersecurity structure look like? You know, <laughs> like right. who, who is who is maintaining? Who's to say like, you know, to say, hey, if you're going to work the, these games, you got to make sure you have X, Y, Z. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's something that comes to mind to me. Like, is that something that's in place? That's something, is that something that's going to be enforced? When we're talking about you know um, the interconnectivity of of systems, you know, because like now you you know you're using you know Apple Pay, you know uh, wireless systems, POS systems, uh, near field communication uh, technologies. Uh, when, when we try and make purchases now, so it's there's a lot more. Um, the attack service is definitely widened when, when mm-hmm. we're talking about um, the security for w- within sporting events and, and arenas. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's all good stuff. It's definitely widened. It's it's there's so much more that you can hit where it it, it affects families and consumers. And you talk about family. I mean, teams have people's players' addresses. What if that gets out of Fred Zoe and mm, it man. gets to the wrong hands and stalker? Now you're talking about somebody's just personal safety, right? Um, could be some some health related information that teams do have access to that getting out to now there's HIPAA violations and that team could get sued and all there's so much connected. And I I think Dr. Joseph makes a great point in that the scope has just been widened. There's so many more people that can be affected. And when the scope is widened and there's so many more people that can be affected and there's so much money, because you you always got to follow the money, so much money to be made. I'll Mm -hmm. keep saying it's like sports is entertainment for us, but it's also a business, right? And just like any other business in a company, you want to protect your valuable information. You want to protect your assets. You want to protect that information at, at the biggest cost that you can. You're going to try to do that. And with so much money on the line, you know, 
we're talking about the Super Bowl coming up. Can you imagine we talked about a potential serious disruption to the Super Bowl or something affecting the integrity of the game in terms of teams being able to compete at the same level? If right. that happens, like just thinking about it, just think about it then how leagues are tied to TV rights and things like that. If that happens and people are like, hey, this is a delay in the game and it's the biggest game of the year for football. Now people are turning away. Well, advertisers aren't happy about that. They're going to want to know, hey, I spent a lot of money for my Super Bowl ad. How do we ensure that's not going to happen again? Because now we're getting eyeballs away from the set. That's not what they want. So there's so much tied in and, and, and so much to protect, and it really is comes down to the money. You can lose money over this. You can lose fans over this, which is tied oh, yeah. to money. So yeah, yeah. it all matters, man. It Absolutely. makes me wonder what type of cybersecurity professionals they employ. Right, so we're talking about it now, but it also makes me wonder, like, if Microsoft is bringing it up and the different Olympics, NFL, you know, MLB situations are, are you know, written in articles, which which cyber, uh, which professionals working for these organizations are aware of the threat space as well, like we just discussed. It makes me kind of think, like, you need to spend money on those professionals to defend these particular arenas oh, and make sure they're bulletproof, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it, it would shock me to think that these leagues with all the money, especially something like the NFL, right? Which makes, or the NBA, or when you start getting to these world class, we got the Olympics coming up this summer in Paris, right? When you start getting right. to these world right. events, right. they cannot afford for this to go terribly wrong. So I have to think, I would think, now I could be wrong, I'm not an expert on, on this part of the game, but I got to think they're going to try to hire the best that they can. Because especially something like the Olympics or a world event, and I'll put the Super Bowl up in that level too. Not quite the same, but up there. You can't afford for that one to go wrong. If that goes wrong, that is major, major trouble. So I got to think they're trying to hire the best cybersecurity experts, the best people that can be aware of these threats. You know, because these hackers, right, cybersecurity criminals, they're, they're coming and giving their best. So you got to, yeah. you know, you yeah. got to prepare. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's almost like a sport in there, guys, right? Right, right. It's yeah. a sport yeah. in defending the, yeah. the stadium. A, yeah. 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 yeah, right. Yeah. It's like literally, literally. literally. It's game. Yeah, it's literally game day <laughs> all the time. That. Yeah, it's literally we game gotta, day all the time. We got to look how stressful it is to be like a cybersecurity defender for the actual game playing defense. Right. Yeah, you know, you're, the whole you're, team. Yeah. yeah, you're strategizing and thinking about what people are going to do. It's funny. I, I didn't, it didn't really pop in my head till just now when I said that, but like it is a sport, you know? Yeah. And the defenders, you're always on the defense. The attackers are on the offense, and you're trying to out strategize them and think what they might do, how they might hit you, or what their motive is and advantage. Yeah, it's like a sport. So I'm trying not to imagine. Uh, cyber. Sorry, trying not to imagine a cybersecurity professional doing up downs in front of the screen, <laughs> trying to get trying to get prepped up for defending. Get ready. Yeah. I wonder if they're hyped yeah, up before they're like, "Look, guys, this is the Super oh, Bowl. Yeah. We got right. oh, sure there's no attacks." <laughs> That'd be a good commercial. That'd be a good Super Bowl play. It would. It would. Be. It would yeah. <laughs> might scare some people too, but it's a good one. It's I know. <laughs> so, um, so kind of just uh, wrapping up this uh, with a little bit of analysis. So, yeah. So some of the um, uh, motivations for an attacker that that will want to do this. Um, so for cyber criminals, yeah, sport entities, sport entities possess valuable data on athletic performance, competitive competitive advantage, and personal information, making them attractive targets for data breaches and ransomware attacks. 
Uh, number two, politically motivated threat actors, nation states, and hacktivist groups aim to disrupt events for geo geopolitical reasons, using uh, DDoS attacks to generate publicity for their causes. And Dexter, that, that that even kind of ties in when we're talking about like these these global events like the Olympics. That mm -hmm. that is a prime opportunity for you know a cyber criminal to 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 strike. So some cybersecurity recommendations. Um, so number one, you, you want to augment the SOC team. So continuous monitoring is essential for the vast threat environment, you know, requiring an additional set of eyes around the clock. Uh, two, conduct your cyber risk assessment, you know, identify threats to the event venue or, or nation involving key stakeholders like third party vendors, make sure they're up to snuff, venue IT staff and sponsors, um, implement uh, strong access management measures, limit access to systems and services to uh, authorized personnel, provide training and access layers. And um, and, and I'll stop there. And Alfredo, maybe you can uh, help out with, with the remainder of those recommendations. Like what are some of the, I guess, what are some other recommendations in your analysis that um, that you recommend? Being aware of the geopolitical, is, it re resonates with me, like why somebody would probably try to take the Olympic systems down or put their particular attacker group banner up during something like that to, to drive mm -hmm. DDoS, right, to drive users there. So mitigating against that would be, you know, defense in depth but a multi-layer framework, you know, like you said, right. uh, keeping the POS on a separate network, Wi-Fi on another lockdown network, and then all stadium communications you know, deeper in the, in the onion, in the security onion. Uh, use the awareness, you know, don't click on this button during this event. Um, don't click, don't use this uh, particular application when you buy your tickets. Um, that's definitely a training theme. But only use our sponsored, you know, site to get purchases for this event. Um, and then more importantly, don't um, go outside and, and click third party links that might be trying to hype up the event, right? That, you know, unless they come yeah. from us, right? Uh, and then close collaboration, I like to close collaboration with, um, you know, particular partnering agencies, like you said, those vendors, those POSs, the media groups, the, uh, right. you know, the fans that might, you know, the fan sites that might be following the players, you know, know, know that collaboration exists from the vendor or from the big box sport entity and venue, and then educate, you know, collaboration, like, like sponsor the collaboration to the, the, the actual attendees and the sports fans that come to the event with digital devices. And even the teams, you know, use, like you said, use the Microsoft Surface, it's encrypted, you know, it has your player stats, don't click outside, it's like, don't share with any other particular iPad or community, right? You know, no, yeah, no, don't, don't use it for your personal use. Right, right, don't, right. yeah, yeah, so I think, I think that hits, hits the nail on the head right there. No, it's good stuff, good stuff. So lo looking at the uh, the second arc we have here, so cyber. Uh, this is titled Cyber Tackle NBA Team. Uh, the author here is Sarah Coble from the Info Security Magazine, dated 26 April 2021. So this is regarding to the the attack that happened with the Houston Rockets NBA Team Houston Rockets. Um, I'll, I'll just read a quick excerpt here. So an investigation was launched uh, uh, after cyber criminals targeted one of the 30 NBA teams uh, of the NBA. Cybersecurity experts hired by the Houston Rockets are wor uh, working closely with the Federal Bureau of, of Investigation to determine the precise nature and extent of the security incident. Uh, Reuters reports that an unknown attacker tried to install ransomware on the basketball franchise's internal computer systems, but was largely unsuccessful. So, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll stop right there. Um, I'll qu quickly, Alfredo, like, 
I think they got the, the top the, the, athletes the, to come in at that point. The, <laughs> you right, know, when, uh, when yeah, you see absolutely. the cybersecurity experts <laughs> and the FBI, we just called up the top athletes. Let's go. <laughs> you know, like we, we that, had an that, event and <laughs> we stopped everything and we got the pros to come in and help the, help the situation. Right. <laughs> right. So that, it says it said they hired another team. So that, that goes back to our internal IT stadium, right? They said, hold on, this looks mm-hmm. pretty serious. And then they called up another team and the top athletes together. So the top players came in to bring the Houston systems back into a defensive stance. So I like that. I like hearing that. And I like hearing that it was like, a like first we hit this other external cyber entity, and then they hired the FBI. So it was like a draft. You know, it was like a draft yeah. to get the Houston systems <laughs> back online, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I, I guess, uh, Dexter, like, what, what was – well, I guess what stuck out to you, because like I said, the Houston Rockets employed the FBI uh, to work yeah. on this. I mean, th- th- to me, that that was like major to me. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of what Alfredo said, too, right? Because they're taking this very seriously. And I think that's something you want to see from an organization or a sports organization. Um, right. To my knowledge, up to that point, there really hadn't been something like that that had affected an NBA team that directly or think hit so close to home. So I think it's very interesting that that's only three years ago or coming up on three years ago that the Houston Rockets said, okay, we have to take this very seriously. I think as a fan, you want to see that if you're a sports fan, um, as a player, anybody working in that organization, right in the front office, anybody working with the team in terms of training, you want to see that your organization is taking this very seriously. So for me to get the FBI involved, it screamed to me either that whether that came from the NBA top down to the Rockets, but that they took this threat very seriously. Luckily, not too much information uh, seemed to be got out there that it was a major threat, but they took it seriously enough to say, let's get the Federal Bureau of Investigations involved oh. in this. And uh, yeah, it, it, it shows you that, look, that keeps saying the data is king. Information is key. Yeah. And it yeah. can really affect the lives of a lot of people. It can also affect a lot of the money, as I keep saying, with the company. But the fact that he took the seriously, he said, let's get the FBI or the top players, as Alfredo said, which he's right. Let's get let's get the the experts up in here. And they did yeah. that and um, you know, were able to assess the situation and do what they needed to do. So yeah, so main reason you know, and I think that's great, the Houston Rockets and, and really maybe even uh, the NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. to make that move and make that move quickly because sports teams are, are attractive targets due to the valuable information that they possess. You know, we talk, we already talked about a bit already talking about ranging from the player data to contracts, operational details, how, how, how organizations run. All that is very key information, uh, key data. Um, so, to, and so looking at the collaboration with law enforcement. So yeah, they did work with the FBI, which, like I said, that that really was profound to me because it indicated the severity and the the significance of this type of a cyber attack. Um, now learning that yes, it was a ransomware attack that they that they tried to um uh tried to get a tried to deploy against the the Houston Rockets, but it was it was unsuccessful. Um, but I, I'll stop right there. And our friends are like. So, so given you know the, the nature of that attack against the Houston Rockets, but but given that they were unsuccessful, I, th- I think that's 
sigh of relief that you know that kind of gives you indication that they do have a good cybersecurity team in place. Yeah, it absolutely does, and it it, it it points to the fact that they were able to detect the ransomware, um, mitigate any particular encryption. Right, we know they come to encrypt the data, steal it, and ransom it. But then also they were able to bolster up themselves and give. I, I would think, I mean, like we could we could look into it that they were they were defended enough to give artifacts to the law enforcement agency. So that's the part I didn't really get from the article. But if they were able to stay in place and push off these actors long enough to get you know law enforcement response they had something in there that could keep their data contained right and not get encrypted maybe they were restoring systems maybe they were pushing traffic somewhere else but it's a it's a good shout out to them and and it also highlights to you know why we know why Houston may be targeted but how much research did the adversary do on this particular team to try to you know get the ransomware going like what, what was so lucrative about the Houston team's infrastructure <laughs> That That's made them want to go and ransom it, you know. Yeah. So that, that that resonates as a defender. Like, what did they see in in that threat landscape that they wanted to target it intentionally and particularly ransom it to back to the uh, excuse me to the NBA? Something something must have been um, attractive to them. So that that kind of clicked with me uh, in that situation. At yeah. that time, at that time, Alfredo uh, Houston had. I mean, still, you know, one of the top players in the league and James Harden at that time. Mm. And I wonder how much of oh. that. Um, right, was of interest to them because if you can, you know, it's like any other attack or something. If you can get information on one of the best players in the league, um, and mm. try to hold that because they try to hold that for ransom, right? Mm. When you when you make that play, that can be that's extremely valuable because look, everything's not equal. Player who's high in your league, and you know, and I'm have my hands up high for this as opposed to a player that's low on the totem pole in the team, everybody's information isn't is valuable. I'm not saying everybody's information isn't valuable. I'm just saying the cost no. of it, what it may be, I, why I, I, they may target you. You got what I'm saying? Yeah, it's at a different yeah, level. Yeah. You got what yeah. I'm saying. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I, you, know, you, were there, you were saying that, and I think that's a good question to ask is why they would have done it. And it's like, well, when you got a top player, you it's, it's even more – of a threat, uh, I'm out there. I'm sure if somebody got Los Angeles Lakers information in the NBA right now because they have mm. LeBron James, uh, right. it, it's got right. a different value as opposed to somebody who's on the Orlando Magic. Just no shade to Magic or their fans, but it just is. It's just different levels to it, just like anything else. No, and so I, I like and, and really enjoy having you on, on the show because you you provided that that inside sports uh, insight. Yeah, so now from the cybersecurity insight. Looking at this, so my, for me, what struck to me as far as as Alfredo, as you mentioned, I was thinking about what was was the Houston Rockets security that week compared to out of all the out of mm -hmm. all of the thirty NBA teams, was the Houston Rockets cybersecurity uh, infrastructure or or posture that we or weaker than the rest of the teams, and made them a you know a, a prime target for them to want to attack Houston Rockets. Um, and, and of course you, you have the, the, the factors of, you know, the players and, you know, those, you know, when we're talking about like superstars in the leagues, depending on which team they play, you know, they, they're going to be more attractive than others. Like, so if you, like Dexter, as you mentioned, some teams that don't really have a superstar, then they're not, there's not, there's nothing really there. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, right. so, but, but if you, like you say, if you're talking about, um, Los Angeles Lakers or even New York Knicks, Jalen Brunson, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, those type of things. So it, yeah, it does depend. Yeah. You do have that aspect of like who who's on the team. Like we're talking about, you know, top players and also too, like talking about the cybersecurity side of it. 
is there a uniform cybersecurity posture amongst so in as we're talking about the nba amongst all uh, 30 nba teams do we is there like a one (laughs) is there one cybersecurity um that's a good question uh, vendor that takes care of them or is it like separate or you you know what i mean yeah yeah go ahead that's a good question yeah that is a good question because to your point if they were the weakest and they were able to mitigate the ransomware what happens if their particular vendors differ from the nixus vendor and and so mm-hmm. in learning lessons, wherever the bad guys are, you know, they take their chops, they lost this round, but they, they find out the Knicks' perimeter is, is, is weaker and that they're not using the same vendor. Say this is the strongest candidate and they learn their lesson and they come back again and mm-hmm. another team is weaker than the, the Houston's uh, defensive countermeasures. But then we're in trouble, right? Because now, now they can, they've gotten this uh, like probe for effect against Houston, right? And they say, well, they were tough. Let's go at mm. the Knicks or let's go at a different team that might not have the same posture. Because if you don't use the same vendor, you don't have the same posture. Can I ask you? Right. I want, I'm, I'm curious. I want to ask you guys a question because you are the experts in what you do. Um, do you think it would be better for a league to have different teams use different groups or individuals to protect uh, the information <laughs> or should they keep existing? Like, what do y'all think? I'm, I'm very curious about that. Like, what? What do you think is the best method, or does it vary from league and situation? Like, what do what do you guys think? I think that's tough. I mean, can I take it first, Joseph? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's tough because you you know if you use the same vendor, all you have to do is go after that vendor. Right. But it's more so the best practices of like what services, and I'm even I'm even not even liking to admit this, but it would be a boutique for like a customized. Uh, service offering for the Knicks that won't match, you know, someone in a different area of the country, almost like how Amazon does it, right? Like you will have a region for, you know, Knicks, East Coast team, Celtics, da da da, and then a different vendor the further south you go, right? And mm, right. Now it will be the same cybersecurity, defensive countermeasures, and everything bolstering up to match Houston's or exceed Houston's capability, but it wouldn't be the same vendor. I I, I don't like vendor locked in particularly because all you got to do is go after that person that, and you right. get everybody. You right, know. that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I would definitely uh, uh, agree with our friends over there. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend having one single vendor to be in charge of all thirty teams. So in this case, we're talking about the NBA. I think you would, you would even stress out. Yeah, that one yeah. vendor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna be spread thin. I mean, to do right. all all those teams and and also like just all the, you know, the the metadata that that as a company with each and every single team. I think that's too much for. Maybe they might do two teams, maybe, but I wouldn't say all thirty. I think that's right. that stretching them thin. And then, and now further, you said, I mean, a cyber attack would be like, okay, uh, uh, company X is taking care of all NBA. I right, just all gang up on, yeah, exactly. Get them, you right, know what right. I mean? Just, they're just right, bull so rush like that, that one, that, yeah, that NFL tackle, boy. right? <laughs> Take them exactly. out right now, uh, <laughs> right? Nah, that was good. That, nah, that makes sense. It doesn't seem like it would make sense for. A vendor. I just felt like I thought about that part, Dr. Joseph, that they would be too stressed. And then also the vulnerability aspect, as Alfredo mentioned, in the fact that, all right, well, yeah, you take out one, you know what the game is for this. We take out everybody. And that's right. that, that's not good for anybody. So, no, it makes sense. Thank, thank yeah, you for answering the question. I know it's your podcast, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, weird. that's what we're here <laughs> for, man. You know, that, yeah. that's a yeah. tough one. It's a tough one to even think about as a professional. Mm. And then we could, we could probably come back to it later, but then what do you do at the Olympics right now? Now, you know, it's, it's, it's something I didn't even think about until this episode too. Like I, I would have never thought of the geopolitical aspect. I mean, I probably would have, if it was like a hospital or some other target, but now you, now you open up the Pandora's box of 
Well, is that happening today? I always come back to like, are they separated? What teams, you know, what teams are split up between, you know, coastal and regional teams? But then also now we go across the pond. You know, what what are mm-hmm. they doing on that side? Because we might disagree or agree on certain events, you know. And there's going to be a lot of different, you know, when we're talking about like, you know, international play, there's a lot of international rules that pertain to cybersecurity. So there's right. a lot of different mm-hmm. things that come to play and depending on where um, and, and where is it hosted is it? I think it's Paris. Paris um, this year. Paris. Okay. Yeah. Paris. So, yeah, we, we're talking about different cybersecurity rules according to where you're located. Um, right. So yeah. So that definitely going to come into play. Um, so uh, kind of going down this article here. So and, and so Bloomberg uh, reported that the hacking group uh, Babook, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, uh, claims to have exfiltrated 500 gigabytes of data belonging to the Houston Rockets. Babook mm-hmm. alleged that the information it had swiped from the team included financial data, uh, non-disclosure agreements and contracts. The, uh, the gang claimed on its dark page that it would not return uh, the data to the basketball franchise until a ransom was paid. Um, in a message that was later removed, the gang said it was, that failure would failure to pay would result in publication of the stolen information. I mean, this is rudimentary, you know, this is a ransomware, you know, one-on-one. Um, the team said that if the investigation reveals that any personal data was stolen, then those affected would be notified. Um, and, and, and again, and we had talked about the, that that ransomware attack was uh, mitigated, but yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the, these type of things, I, I think it should be a an alert. I, I don't know to say, a, a wake, I guess maybe a wake-up call, you know? Yeah, definitely. If, if I dare to say, because, so yeah, I mean, a cyber, a cyber criminal could be maybe the case in it, trying to see, okay, I was unsuccessful with the Houston Rockets. Let me try the Oklahoma City Thunder, or, you know, because their defenses are down. You, you know, see how far they can get. And they just keep trying because, you know, in, in terms of the NBA, the, the landscape is, is is quite large. So you have 30 teams. All right, I didn't get I didn't get it with one. I'm gonna try another. You know, or you know, and and see how far they can get. It. You know, so they're not gonna stop. They're gonna keep trying. And I think as a cyber um, cyber defense professionals, you have to be on your p's and q's and know that yeah, these the, the cyber criminals are gonna they're gonna be persistent and gonna keep trying. And every single team has to be on alert because, like I said, just because you you know you may have got been uh, lucky, you know uh, that they weren't successful with the Houston Rockets, but they could try to uh, attack another team that you know try to see if they could catch them slipping. Yep. I always think, what does this Babu group have against the Houston Rockets? Like, why, <laughs> you know, like why come out of nowhere and try to take 500 gigs from somebody, a, a team in particular? And then I also hope that you know, when the Houston Rockets recognize this attack, that they kind of build a profile, like of what they try to use to get the data. Since their team, since their defenses were in place, I'm hoping they profiled the threat actor and was like, "Yo, we've seen this traffic before. Uh, we've seen somebody that looked like this in 2021. Here it is again in 2024." Because I think, I think even I lose that as a side security professionals these guys have capabilities that they're trying to test out on the other 29 teams so maybe houston can give another team a heads up like yo these guys came after us in 2021 it looks exactly the same maybe a different name because mm-hmm. they do change names too as we know in ransomware 101 but maybe right. that that we would like to say that's the threat intelligence that they would share across the nba that's the part i'm missing in this article to hope that they do share these particular uh, attack vectors and and groups across the the other twenty nine teams that bolster their defenses. That would be, that's what the hope would be. I'd hope so. so. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's wrap up this uh, article. So so there were other um, uh, notable attempts or, or cyber attacks. So included the the Memorial uh, Herman Health System and the Texas Children's Hospital. The experience of uh, data breaches, uh, which underscores the broader cybersecurity challenges faced by organizations in the region. Um, the mention of a ransomware attack on the Texas court system in 2020 further highlights persistent and evolving nature of cyber threats. Um, so we go to this last article, and uh, so this one is titled NBA League Fans, uh, Fans' Personal Information via Data Breach at Newsletter Service. So the author is Alicia Hope from CPO Magazine. This is dated uh, back in 29 March 2023, and I quickly read. So the NBA uh, is warning fans of a data breach that leaked their personal information from a third-party newsletter service. Um, in, a, in a cybersecurity incident alert, the NBA said it discovered an authorized, unauthorized party gained access and obtained fans' as personally identifiable information, or PII, from a third-party service. While most, while most famous for um, for the North American Men's ba- Basketball League, that the NBA is a global sports and media organization uh, managing several professional sports leagues, including, of course, NBA, WNBA, NBA G League, NBA 2K League, and Basketball huh. Africa League. Mm. So, so, uh, and we, and we, we, we talked about this already quite a bit as, as far as the vulnerability when you have like these third party vendors employed to support, you know, so in this case, the NBA, you know, that are taking, that are taking care of different aspects of, of, of a team, of, of the arena. What is their cybersecurity posture like? You know, you know what I mean? Like, is we don't know if there's a uniform um, a set of uh, security principles set for for every vendor. Is there is there a standard that each one has to you know uh, maintain or, or meet meet and maintain? I should say um, when they want to work with the NBA or, or the NFL or MLB or whatever the case may be. Um, so I, I, I Fred's are like, what, what are some of your thoughts here? I just straight up thinks it sucks that it was a newsletter, right? That's something, that's a that's a crafty, somebody's going to get that newsletter to get all the information on those organizations that you mentioned, all the professional leagues, the player stats even, some of those um, integrations to a letter makes it really suck that somebody's personal information was breached to that company. So I, I, I hate to be rough on them. They wouldn't be a letter no more. I mean, I, I hate to say that they would have to uh-huh. bolster their defenses before they can come back and, and do the newslettership again, because now now someone knows you've been breached and they know you have access to all of this PII, well, you got to step your game up before you can remain a letter, unfortunately. I hate to be rough on them, but for me, yeah. it would be like, you can't be a newsletter anymore until you bolster those defenses, because now other, your first of all, the, 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 the third-party data blew my mind, right? The personal data is out there, but now people know you had a breach. Now people know they can get that data from you specifically. Well, we got to scratch that until you bolster your cyber defenses. So, you, you know, it would be a change of the service or shutting down of the service until they step their game up, unfortunately. Yeah, I'd, so hope, that, so- I'd hope that's the action they would take. You know, I, what, I think one of my takeaways from that, Alfred's always that, um, you know, when you have newsletters, that is a great way as an organization to get information. Um, you get people's email, you might be get access to other things that they may sign up through that. So it's almost interesting that while that's a great way to get information, the cyber criminals in this situation thought about that and said, right. Oh, this is, exactly. a, this could be a weak spot, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, because we know there's information there, we at least might be able to hit them and get, get a bunch of stuff there. So 
it's it's interesting that they kind of thought the way of how the, the company was thinking about a great way probably to get information in a positive way and they tried to use that for a negative so it's 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 really interesting and it makes you think about what you have to protect uh as well too even something as may seem as insignificant as a newsletter and i think you're right uh the customers the fans in this situation who are signing up for newsletter I don't think they'd want that newsletter anymore, knowing that the information's no. been compromised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. They, they, you know, and you're right. It's going to take some time to build that trust again with information because that's something you can lose besides just money uh, in a business situation is just the trust. So that that's also something interesting, I think, for teams to consider. Yeah. And so, um, and, and I'll just do, I'll just sum this up real quick. But um, so yeah, so sports organizations, uh, you know, they're free, they're frequent targets for cyber criminals that the UK. Uh, a UK survey revealed that seventy percent of respondents in the industry have experienced cyber incidents. Uh, geopolitical motivations also come into play, uh, demonstrated by the Russian military intelligence agency GRU hacking the Swedish Sports Confederation in 2017-2018. So, in the context of a recent NBA data breach, uh, Eric Krohn from uh, No Before uh, attributes it to an internal security lapse by a vendor rather than a sophisticated external threat emphasizing the commonality of such incidents, but noting limited public dis- disclosure in this particular case. Um, yeah, it, th- th- this is something, uh, you know, I, I think I'm definitely going to pay more attention to as we're talking about cybersecurity and um, w- within uh, the sports world, you know, um, especially as, like I said, that, that, that digital landscape is increasing. We use it, we use it more like all, all sports leagues are coming more and more modernized. You like, mm-hmm. like the NFL, um, dealing with uh, uh, Amazon, you know, you see all the <laughs> right. uh, the quick right. uh, stats, the analytical stats. They even put it within the game as you watch. Yep, um, they, they do yep. percentages of you know the percentage likelihood of the quarterback making a play or scoring <laughs> a field goal or, or things like that. So a lot of these different things, a lot of these da- data points, and with that, in order to get that data, there's sensors all around within the arenas, cameras all over the place in order to, to collect that and, and make that type of uh, prediction. But uh, no, I, I think uh, I think I think this is something to definitely watch for, and I think it, it's only gonna uh, get uh, I guess worse. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the battle is gonna increase. It's, it's, We're it's sign a, up for that pain now yeah. before we sign up for it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna get it's gonna get more competitive, right? Like the battle is right, gonna right. increase, you know. So right. it's it's definitely something to watch for sure. Sure. I'm going to try to pay more attention to the geopolitical impact too. That kind of, I mean, that was in the back of my mind, but I would never thought a, the sports event would have that objective. Right. So I, I'm definitely going to also pay attention to the geopolitical aspect and the trust, right? You hit the nail on the head, Dexter, the trust hmm. in the NBA or at NBA.com opposed to something that looks fake from the NBA, right? We have to, we have to understand that this is coming from their particular brand and know that there could be somebody attacking the brand geopolitically, right? Like somebody, I would never thought that somebody would have um, put the two together, like you said, and attack the services that they use to, to get their, you know, agenda out there. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to pay attention to that too. 